This is the FutureX podcast. In each episode, we interview a platform designer, author, or publisher. They'll talk about how to build online communities that are diverse, welcoming, and safe. Now, here's your host, Lee Schneider. In today's episode, you'll meet Pete Terheiden, co-founder and CEO of Literal. Literal, the URL is literal.club, is a platform I've been enjoying to share books, recommendations, and reviews. Pete is also the creator and curator of Minimal Gallery, an online gallery showcasing the best web design. And that gallery started as a way for him to save website designs that inspired him. He has a deep background in front-end development and web design. So welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to talk about Literal today. Thank you so much for having me. Why create Literal? What need were you filling? What was the initial inspiration for it? Yeah, I think... uh... I think as as uh, maybe a lot of other people, um, I got annoyed by Goodreads. So Goodreads is, um, you could say, our biggest competitor. Um, we're not exactly competing, but we are in a similar field. And uh, since Goodreads was acquired by Amazon, um, yeah, it kind of felt like the development on it stopped working. <laughs> like nothing continued to get improved. Um, the design felt really outdated. And I I kind of felt like it was just the the only place that was there it wasn't like people actually enjoyed using it it was just the one place that you could use and um so for probably four or five years i kept thinking about this about like yeah creating an alternative to that which um sounds a lot easier than it is and uh if you're in the space you might have seen a lot of side projects by people starting and then getting shut down again or um getting sued by amazon a lot which also happens from time to time mm. uh, but mostly just yeah um, not being able to to scale um a platform so um it took me quite a while to to actually yeah decide to focus on it and um you just mentioned it before in the intro um i uh yeah i have the minimal gallery for example i had a few different projects before that i worked on a lot of them in the you could say curational space um which is also where i would see literal mm. a little bit um and uh, I was doing a lot of design and development work, uh, kind of like a small agency. So I was looking for something, yeah, for something to do next. Um, I wanted to get away from client work. I took a break in Indonesia and uh, thought about what I want to do because it had been 10 years of working in the design space with clients. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, was just looking for the next thing to do. And um, because this idea had been stuck in my mind, um, I thought, okay, let's at least try to uh, take a deeper look and see if this is something um, that is sustainable too. I also want to give you a shout out to the design because it's very clean, clear, easy to use. And yes, one of my reasons for wanting to leave Goodreads is it became terribly cluttered, yeah. like Evernote or something. It was trying to do yeah. everything for everyone and it just felt very clunky. Uh, but why books? Why did you focus on books and readers? Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for the compliment. It's not only my work. It has also been the work of the team. Yes, true. <laughs> so um, uh, I'm, I'm not the only one responsible for the design. Um, but yeah, um, well, the topic books, I I don't think I. it was like a conscious decision. It was more like that I was just interested in the mm-hmm. space. I like reading. Um, it's not like um, I read a lot, um, actually, which is maybe interesting. Uh, yeah, all of our team members are not like, not like uh, bookworms that much. <laughs> uh, I think we are more like an average reader. And that was also one of the things that I found really interesting about this space because all of the platforms that I had seen in the past um, were made by people that read 100 books or more per year. 
Um, so they often also mm. felt like they were built for these people. And we wanted to create a platform that is yeah, made for like more the average reader that can be used by uh, by anyone from someone in the tech scene over a bookworm up to, uh, yeah, I don't know, my mom, who is maybe a little bit older and uh, not so much in the <laughs> involved in the tech scene. Um, so, yeah, we didn't really pick books. It was more like we were... Yeah, we were looking for for a solution in that space and wanted to have a space where we can just share recommendations. Um, I don't know how much I should go into detail about this, <laughs> so feel free to tell me. But um, uh, yeah, or, originally, um, before there was Literal, I, I had created a little other curational project called, uh, I hope you don't have to bleep it out, but uh, uh, fuck, I wish I knew that it's called. <laughs> um, I know, yeah, I've... I've... Yeah. I've seen yeah, it. So um I yeah. I was uh I was on a on a on a trip with a few friends who were all freelancers and we were all working on different projects in Spain. We had rented a house there, we were working on different projects. Um and uh we mm -hmm. were looking for just a, a place to share recommendations to each other. Um that was mostly books. It also included a few articles, videos, things like that, but mostly books. And we had a WhatsApp group, we had emails, we had all these different solutions and we didn't have a place to actually collect these recommendations. And um, so uh, one night with, uh, well, uh, to, to be to be transparent, a little bit tipsy with a, a glass of whiskey in my hand and uh, surrounded by friends, um, uh, yeah, we decided to just buy this uh, silly domain. <laughs> um, and uh, so the domain is also fuck I wish I knew the .at. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just approved instantly. We could use the domain and we made this little link list. And this was the like original idea of literal so just a place where you can actually share recommendations with your friends also strangers but trusted recommendations what's interesting about that um many things but one thing i want to zoom in on is the recommendation idea that a big pain point for readers is what should i read next mm -hmm. particularly people who like to read a lot and how powerful was that in the fuck i wish i knew that you know it's a it is kind of a recommendation-ish kind of a thing. But how powerful was the idea of zooming in on recommendations a motivator for you? Or were you just kind of looking at the whole space? Um, so you mean in relation to books? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so that was that was actually one of the biggest motivations that I had started looking into at Goodreads more and there were a few things. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for... Uh, bringing up Goodreads again and again because I usually also try to yeah. avoid comparisons to it, but um, <laughs> it is it is the biggest name. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there were a few things that that really annoyed me about Goodreads um, and also other platforms in the space, which is mostly that a, a lot of things in the book book industry depend on bestseller lists. They depend on New York Times ratings. They depend on you know things mm -hmm. that are yeah just like just like an award. Um, and I don't really think it makes a lot of sense uh, for books. I think it makes sense for, it can make sense for, for, for other topics, but for books, it just doesn't really make any sense in my opinion. If you um, take a nonfiction book, for example, everyone has a completely different uh, yeah, knowledge before they read a book. So if I recommend, um, I don't know, a, a book for founders, let's say, to, to stick to that topic, to, to someone that has no experience in that space, um, then it might not be a good recommendation. It might be my favorite book, but it doesn't help them. And uh, mm. I experienced the same when recommending books to friends or getting recommendations from friends. Um, I was trying to expand to a little bit more, yeah, a little bit other genres. So, for example, I'm not a 
I'm not a science fiction reader at all, um, but I would like to be one. <laughs> so I asked friends for recommendations and they would give me specific recommendations just made for me um, where they would say, this is a good starting point if you're not into science fiction yet to like kind of get into the space. And um, mm. to go back to the point of recommendations here, um, when looking at other platforms, also e-commerce sites that sell books, um, it's always based on an average rating. Uh, the rankings are based on average ratings. So you can filter by rating, like all of these things that are just not, yeah, they are not suited to you. They they, they don't know who right. you are. Yeah. There's a number of parts to the site. So I wanted to open that up a little bit. <laughs> it functions as a bookshelf in some ways where you can list the books that you have, the books that you've read and the books that you want to read. So yep. you can kind of, and I use it that way sometimes to keep track of what I want to read. <laughs> so when I'm looking for the next you know, book buying spree, so there's that. And then there's another part to it, which is the recommendations yep. where you get a, people review things and people write about sometimes long, sometimes short, a bit like Letterboxd, if you're familiar yep. with the, the movie site, where you get to get a sense of what other people think. But there's a couple of subtler points, which you, you can look at what others have read and get a sense from that person's maybe profile or maybe other reviews, yeah. would you like that particular book? And there are book clubs uh -huh. also that you've more recently introduced. Uh -huh. So my question is, which are the most active parts of the experience for most people? Uh -huh. How are they most commonly using the site? Um, yeah, that is an interesting question that I, that I sometimes get. And it's, it really depends on the kind of person that you are that's using it. Mm -hmm. um, I think this library cataloging part is what everyone uses. Um, we also support different uh, ways of importing content from other yeah, tracking sites that you may, might have used before or if you maybe just used your notes app. Or um, we, for example, also have a feature implemented into the iPhone and Android apps where you can just scan in the barcode on the back of a book. And so mm -hmm. even if you're just starting out, you might just go around your house, scan in the books that you like to then get recommendations based on that or find people with similar interests. So this is definitely the feature that is used the most in general. But um, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that, yeah, that, um, that are really social in the book space, that really like to talk about what they're reading, that really like to ask other people directly for recommendations. And these are the people that are usually most active in clubs. Um, so they also often come come over from other social media sites. So for example, people that are active on Instagram that might have an Instagram account where they share book recommendations or they have a newsletter where they show, uh, share um, book recommendations. These people kind of feel at home in this uh, book club feature that we offer on Little. Um, while maybe other people are a little bit more inactive, they don't like creating content that much. Um, they're mostly using it to get recommendations and uh, yeah, trick what they're reading. What have you found to be the most challenging part of maintaining literal? Yeah, surprisingly, it hasn't been so much the community aspect of it or keeping people active, um, but more technical issues <laughs> so mm. the biggest issue that we were facing also at the at the beginning when we were starting out um was uh, just getting the data that we re require for this because you don't mm. want to use a, a website or an app made for books when you cannot find the book that you're looking for it just simply doesn't work <laughs> uh, 
Um, same, right. of course, in the movie space with Letterboxd or, or other um, services. But especially with books there, it might be because the industry always feels a little bit more outdated than others or always a little bit behind than uh, yeah, compared to other industries. But there isn't simply a place that you can go to and say, maybe you, you even want to pay for it. Um, you want to give someone money and get like all the reliable book data back. It, it doesn't work that mm. way. Um, so uh, that has been an issue from the beginning on and is still an issue. And uh, now we are lucky that we have, um, yeah, we have a librarian mode uh, built into Literal, which means that you can, um, when you apply for it, we make sure that you're actually an active user and um, that you're not like uh, running a spam account or something like that, but mostly that you, <laughs> yeah, you've actually used the platform and know what it's about. And um, uh, you then have a different way of um, yeah, accessing the platform where you can actually edit information on books and you can mm. merge uh, book editions together. You can merge duplicates. Um, so yeah, a lot of things around data where I'm also really happy that I'm not the one uh, managing that, but it's Mihai who is uh, my co-founder. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Does the literal community have any special characteristics because they are book people or at least people who like, I wouldn't call them bookish, but people who like reading books. Is there any, have you noticed any special community flavor there? Yes. Um, I mean, f first of all, we really tried to create a place for communities. So I really don't see literal as one big community because there are people with completely different reading interests and uh, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's the good thing about it. Um, but what we really tried to do is creating a platform where yeah, you can live in your own little community without seeing all the content from people that you might simply not care about. They are strangers with different interests. Um, and it's 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 great if you ask them for a recommendation, but um, we didn't want to create a, yeah, um, a, just a feed that throws stuff at you that you might not care about, like, like some other platforms do. So um, I found that quite interesting that... Um, yeah, uh, as I said before, people are really different. They're using the platform differently. Some use it for tracking. Some others create a lot of content. And you you mostly only see that content if you're in that little bubble, if you have the same interests. Mm. Um, I know that um, mostly from talking to users and from like yeah, taking a look at our analytics and seeing what's happening, that um, we have people that use our chat feature every day, for example. Um, mm. I myself, even I use the chat feature once a week maybe <laughs> you know um because i don't really see the need for it personally for this use case that i have um but other people run little book clubs like private groups um in this chat or yeah they, they also just invite their friends and then sometimes send them a recommendation instead of on uh, whatsapp or iMessage or somewhere else directly on literal through the chat but everyone uses it differently but um if you take the yeah this bookish uh, group of people um as, as sometimes mm -hmm. it's called um, uh, more general uh, than I think what's interesting about it is that people seem to be more friendly and more positive about it than than uh, compared to other things um, like I, I feel like with music and movies pe people often have a, a yeah a really strong opinion on things um, and they don't really they don't really want to even hear what other people have to say about an artist that they don't like mm -hmm. for example with books, mm -hmm. at, at least in, in my experience, it has been a little bit different where people are actually interested in why you like a specific book, even if they don't have the same interest. Um, there's a lot of ground for discussions. Um, so also in our comments or in, in, the, in the book clubs that I, I mentioned, um, 
you can find a lot of discussions around books or simply people that ask for a recommendation, get a recommendation back, but not just here's a title for you, but here's a title for you because, and then mm -hmm. go a little mm -hmm. bit uh, in, uh, more into detail. So um, at least in my experience there, people are yeah more friendly and there's a little bit more fun involved. And that might just be because there's more to talk about than compared to other industries. What about content moderation? A lot of deep thinkers like Paul Ford and wonderful people who write about the internet have spoken about content moderation. If you're running a social media site or a community site or anything that has to do with people on the internet, your job really is content moderation. How have you approached that? Have you had to approach it? Where does that stand for you? Yeah, I uh, I find that really interesting. Um, we... Yeah, we at the beginning spent a lot of time on researching this to make sure that we don't end up with, yeah, I mean, the the, the worst people on the internet can also join. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you 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 wanna you wanna avoid uh, having their content on your platform. Um, but um, yeah, I, I found it pretty interesting that a lot of a lot of uh, interviews, for example, that I've listened to from founders in in a social or in this community space, they often focus on this moderation part. Um, we really try to find a solution where we ideally don't even have to get to the moderation part. <laughs> so mm. Um, mm. what we did at the beginning was that we, in the initial version, we didn't have a chat, for example, or um, just posting publicly in a book club just to avoid um, having people spamming, uh, spamming other places. Um, what we also did was... Um, that we first launched invite only. So we started out with a small group of people that then started inviting mm. each other. Um, same happened on, on microblog um, where we found out that you were invited through because someone shared the invite. Um, but so it was a more yeah controlled growth, which of course helps with this. But I think what really makes a big difference um, in, in, in terms of moderation is that, yeah, we focus on the content of people that you actually like and trust. Um, even on our book pages, when you search for any book title on the platform, we will first show you content from your friends. I mean, friends on literal um, mm. or uh, friends or friends. And it just like, goes down in the list of prior uh, priorities there. Um, so even if there is a person that maybe creates content that you don't like, that you would maybe, um, yeah, just because you don't like that person or their content, um, like like mm -hmm. you can see it happening a lot on Twitter where people block each other, not really because they posted something offensive, but maybe just because they have different opinions on something. Or, um, uh, yeah, they try to moderate other people because of that. Um, this so far um, doesn't really happen that much on literal, just because, yeah, you first and foremost see the content of people that you can trust. Um, and that's that's uh, everywhere throughout literal that that happens in your home feed um, where we don't just throw content from others at you. That happens in uh, book clubs. Um, book clubs, of course, are also mm. moderated by the people that created them or that, that then turned into moderators. So that is also nice that we don't really have to control this. <laughs> it's the people that mm. are actually yeah running these book clubs. Um, you have to ask for permission for a lot of things. So you you. Um, depending on the settings that you set for, for this online book club, um, you just don't have people that uh, post content because they can't, um, because we made the features that way. So 
Mm. I think that was really the key. And I, I think if it would be a different topic, I, I, I yeah, I, I, for example, don't think it would be, it would be possible to create um, or recreate Twitter in a, in a similar way. Like you want this, <laughs> this discourse right. on, on Twitter, you want to have these discussions uh, and political discussions and all of this, but I don't think it's necessary for, um, yeah, for a space for uh, book people. True. And Twitter has been built to encourage dissent and encourage arguing yep. and encourage yeah. yelling, essentially people being mad at each other. Yep. And your platform and other platforms, there's the way, as you describe, the invite-only aspect of it at first and the way it's built from the ground up just doesn't encourage that kind of behavior. Yep. So it, I can't say it's self-correcting. It isn't self correcting but there's in in the ingredients to bake the cake it's there at the beginning which is i'm saying this for people who may be thinking about building their own platform and trying to think of the pieces that you need and the ingredients that you need one of them would be this very thing that it's it's usable for people and doesn't encourage people arguing with each other that much yeah yeah and uh, Mm. if if they want to then it's often people mm, uh, yeah, standing in an empty room and shouting around, but no one's hearing them. You know, so it's 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 completely yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, what about people who are building us uh, platforms? Will always wonder about monetization. Now, yeah. What are you doing to monetize? Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that is a special topic for us. Um, we um, so I can tell you about the original plan um, because I think that also mm-hmm. um, highlights what we cared about or care about at, at, at literal um we we from the beginning on or before the idea even became clear we we said when well, we always said and this will always stay that way that we we want to leave the book world in a better shape than it is right now um we don't have leave any negative impact um this is yeah this one top top point uh, one topic um is uh, as i said um getting away from bestseller lists getting away from average ratings that might not make sense um, which also helps new authors a lot that maybe don't have their mm-hmm. audience yet. Um, like try to create a platform that makes it easier for people to discover these new authors um, that might be super interesting for them, but they just don't have this audience or this uh, megaphone to go around and, and promote their new book. Um, so uh, that's one thing. But um, also regarding monetization, we, we really wanted to find a way that stays away from simply throwing ads at people or... Um, changing the ranking of lists again <laughs> by paying for it mm-hmm. um, and what we originally had in mind and uh, this might still happen sooner or later is um, simply selling books <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that is of course not as simple uh, as it said um, there are a few different ways of doing it especially if you start out with uh, with digital books so so ebooks and audiobooks um, and uh, we talked to a lot of people in that space and 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 um, yeah, to be transparent, we, we we even have the contracts uh, to to do that. We we could sell um, we mm-hmm. could sell digital formats. Um, it currently changed a little bit because I think there's a lot of development happening in this in that space. Um, Spotify is going in more and more into the audio book space. Um, the ebook market mm-hmm. is controlled by a few monopolies, and it's uh, yeah difficult to get people away from them, and that's completely understandable. Um, so. What uh, we are focusing on right now regarding monetization is, um, well, first of all, we have a Patreon program, which is nice. So our server costs mm-hmm. are basically covered covered by our users. Um, and that's, that's always oh, okay. nice when people like to support us. But um, 
what we are working on right now is um yeah uh yeah business contracts with um book distributors and publishers um where mm. we basically help them with what i just explained before so we want to give them insights on who might be the next big author who uh, who is writing the the story that might be the next big hit and um i yeah i um i understand when yeah people might not look so positively at what spotify has done to the music industry <laughs> um or netflix right. has done to the movie industry and i i don't agree with everything that has happened there of course um but i really like that we came a long way from um yeah having to press your own uh, records in, in music <laughs> and you needed a lot of money to do so and then you had to go around and like hand the records to everyone um to yeah nowadays s simply upload something to spotify and you you, you might you might uh, turn this into a career you might get a, um, a music label deal for it if you want that you might not even need it anymore and i think this development is slowly also happening in this in the book space um so mm. i I hate that this word is also overused, but democratizing <laughs> um, the way right. the way people write, and uh, I think it's still a really, really big issue. Where, yeah, if you if you want to publish a book, you can start up with a lot of money and just get it printed and getting into the stores. If you don't have that option, then try to get a deal from a publisher. I th I guarantee it will be difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, or simply go out and uh, publish it yourself, but then you're missing the audience. And I think creating an environment that actually brings this audience to to the people and um, brings the, the new books to people that are actually interested in reading them is, um, is a really good goal to have and also a goal that can make us money. Yeah, that, those are all wonderful points. We have the printing press. We can make the books. Yeah. And I was reading a wonderful book uh, called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which was written in the 70s. And it talks about Paul Revere uh, and other early publishers and Tom Paine. They, they printed on broadsheets. They printed, they had their own yeah. printing press and they literally handed out individual booklets, let's call them. And they sold by our standards today. If you if you uh, averaged it up, if you scaled it up, they sold millions and millions of copies of Common Sense, of Thomas Paine's book. So it is possible to reach these mass audiences. But in a paradox, it starts small. That if you're thinking bestseller list, if you're thinking New York Times, that's going to be a pretty tall mountain to climb. But if you're thinking well, what if people on Literal could be interested in my book? Or what if people in some other book club could be interested? This is possible. You know, there's a there's a, a site called Readsy that's based yeah. in the UK where you find, a, I've used it quite a lot to find help in publishing my books. And it's a community, it's another community of book people where you may discover books because it's all about discovery. You know, the big pain point is, what am I going to read next for most readers? I finished all the books on my nightstand. The, you know, the stack is gone. What do I do now? So literal does help with that because recommendations are powerful. Yeah, no, that's that's um, good. Yeah, I, I really like Reedsy and and what they're doing. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting how there's also um, Wattpad, for example, is a good example. Um, they they got acquired some time ago, so um, let's see what happens next. But. Mm. Wattpad, for example, also focused on discovery of yeah newly written pieces. It wasn't only books. Sometimes it was like short stories, more as an mm -hmm. article format. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly books. Um, but 
what they did was not only try to find the next uh, yeah, bestseller, so to say, but also um, try to, to tell Netflix, uh, Apple TV, all these different streaming services that are fighting for these contracts. They want to have the next big hit, mm-hmm. um, telling them, hey, this could be the next big hit. This is something that yeah. our readers really like. And this is kind of the audience that would be interested in this kind of content. And um, yeah, I like this approach and I like uh, I would like to bring it uh, to the book, book world too and, and getting away from movies a little bit that is maybe a little bit further ahead. What have you been doing to encourage openness, diversity, make the platform welcoming to all kinds of people. Interesting, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, one thing that I can also really recommend to people that are starting out with a community project is um, we, yeah, as I said, like our our team and, and, and me included, um, we are not the biggest readers so what we tried and 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 we are also mostly reading the same genres and the same stuff like we're in the startup world we're in the design world Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of it is the same um so what we try to do also to create this initial community or the the initial different groups um, of people on literal was um we try to find people you can call them influencers i don't really like that word in the sense but (laughs) we try to find people that that maybe come from from their own little community and um, yeah, give them an invitation to try out literal. And then what would usually happen was that they would share it with the people that they already have in the community, and and mm-hmm. they would all um, come over, or some of them would come over. Um, so I think this automatically then yeah creates this this loop of people where yeah one community gets created. There's people in there that then also again create their own little communities. And um, there might all be overlapping, and there might be a little bit, uh, a little bit of a network in the end. But um, uh, more often than not, it, it becomes quite diverse. And um, yeah, I think that can be really helpful for that. So it's really the answer may be something like invite influencers to kind of push things a little bit or to open things a little bit, and that's implying that you're thinking about influencers of of different nationalities or yes. different types or different people, whatever it might be, and let the community grow itself, yep. but plant different seeds. Yep. Just be aware. I think what I'm getting at there, kind of talking around it, but let me try to be more direct, is you know, we often see our own faces. We see our own people. We see our own bubble. But it can be hard at times to say, now, wait a minute. If this is a true community that's going to be strong, there have to be other people and everyone's not going to look like me and everyone's not going to come from where I come from. So what can I do to invite other people in? And it seems the answer in this case has been helpful for you to look for influencers and allow them to kind of seed the community. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, why... Why I uh, yeah don't really like the word influencer is that um, this includes people that that just really like talking about books that maybe only have um, I don't know a few hundred followers or a thousand followers or something like that that we just invited. Mm. So they act mm-hmm. as an influencer, but it might not be their job to be like a full time beauty influencer flying around the world <laughs> right. or something like that. Um, <laughs> right. Where I think then you would create the opposite effect <laughs> if you True. if you ask someone with uh, a million uh, a million followers and this really <laughs> big audience, I, I, I think yeah you could uh, you could create the opposite. Um, in our case, we we focused on these small groups of people, um, and then of course another uh, another big point is that um, 
uh, yeah, our team is international. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm German. I'm based in Berlin. Uh, my co-founder is, is uh, based in Copenhagen. Um, uh, parts of our team uh, are in the US. Um, it's all, yeah, we are a little bit more yeah. all over the world and the platform so far has stayed uh, in English, um, like just the user interface language. You can find books right. in every language, but the user interface is English. So um, if it's about nationalities, then of course, um, that also plays a big role to, to not... Uh, right. Yeah, not only launch in Germany or not only launch in the European market or the US market mm -hmm. or anything like that. Yeah, we need another word besides influencer, but I don't know what it is yet. I, I uh, usually call them creators because that's mm. <laughs> that's what they are. So, um, but yeah, it depends. It depends um, who you work with, of course. Yeah, yep. I've been seeing this on Mastodon in the in an inverse and in kind of a bad way, where <laughs> it's been really nice to see people who who use the platform a lot. Well, Mastodon and have have a few hundred followers or fifty followers, whatever they've right. got, doesn't matter. And then a few kind of nine hundred pound gorillas have been joining people with hundreds of thousands of followers, and it's almost disappointing. It's like, oh, yeah. now just... the planetary feel, the gravity of Mastodon is going to shift, and it's not as good, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's a very uh, interesting interesting issue. Uh, is there anything that I forgot to ask that um, we should cover? I think maybe just quickly, because you mentioned Mastodon again now, um, I think what makes it a little bit special in the book space again is that you don't need to be the biggest content creator and you don't need to create all these all these highlights, all these reviews and all of that so people can find your profile and find your recommendations because if they just track what they, they're reading, then other people might see too. So um, even if you are a little bit of a bigger influence you might not have the biggest influence on literal <laughs> um and uh, <laughs> yeah i think another interesting thing maybe for people that are working in this space that are trying to create a community or just um yeah start anything is uh please don't hesitate to get in touch with people <laughs> it's been incredible mm -hmm. for me um especially in the last few years with literal um how willing people are to help you And it might be people where you, you think you don't have a chance <laughs> like of, of getting a reply via email or um, reply of someone that uh, yeah, has a lot of followers or anything like that. Um, I, I've gotten the, the, opposite exp uh, uh, yeah, the opposite experience mm. with that. Um, I, uh, some of our investors, we won that way by simply sending them a LinkedIn message. Uh, some people that we've never talked to before. Um, also, a lot of people that are in the book world are extremely helpful. Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the Tony's box as an example. If you if you know that the kids audio player, there's also the Yoto player, which is a little bit of a similar concept but more um, UK focused. Um, I uh, as as I mentioned, I think um, what Spotify has done in the music space is really interesting. And um, and um, even though there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of conflicts around it, I think um, it is a it is a better situation to be in right now as an artist than it was um, uh, maybe 20 years ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we really try to talk all these people that maybe come from different industries, but have really, really valuable experience and more often than not, they actually like to help. That's great to hear and encouraging for people yeah. who are starting out trying to do something. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. A lot of great insights. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was uh, great to have the chat. Thanks for joining us on the Future X Podcast. 
Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or anywhere fine podcasts appear in your feed. Post a comment on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the show. For more info about Future X, visit futurex.studio.